This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. There's a certain beauty in opening yourself up to the unknown. Sometimes it's something small, like trying a new type of cuisine. And sometimes it's much more significant, like traveling to a foreign country for the first time. These moments of unknown allow the possibility to learn not just something new about the world, but about ourselves as well. And it's especially exciting, I think, when a particular revelation teaches us something about both. We learn how our relationship to the world isn't exactly what we thought it was. In this week's story, teller Eric Charles May shares one of these particularly revelatory travels of his own. Recorded live in January 2022, Second Story is proud to present An American Black Man in Prague. always been what you might call a late bloomer. No date until I was 21. No sexual liaisons till 23. First driver's license at 36. And no trip abroad until I was 54. In 2007, when I traveled to the Czech Republic and its capital city of Prague, called Praha by the locals, me part of a trio of teachers in a creative writing study abroad program. In the weeks leading up to my trip, Several Chicago friends assured me that I'd be the only black guy in Prague, statements that I did not disagree with. Yes, I'd done some preparation research. Books, maps, and internet printouts scattered across my dining room table. Stuff on Czech history, Czech literature, tourist sites, and what I considered crucial Czech words to know. Dobre dan, hello, prosim, please, deku, thanks, pivo, beer. However, I'd done no study regarding Blacks in the Czech Republic. Me, my thinking being, come on, how many Blacks could there be in a landlocked Central European country? And while I was looking forward to enjoying all the cultural wonders I saw in the color photographs of travel books, I didn't think that joy directly connected to my Blackness would be part of the deal. My transatlantic flight was an overnight ride. My first view of Europe, jolly old London, seen from high above through wisps of cloud. That soon followed by a mad rush through Heathrow Airport to make a connecting flight, which if you must make a connecting flight, is an airport to be avoided at all costs. Later that day, my teacher colleagues and I land in Prague on what is there a warm and sunny afternoon. Uh, beginning with the livery ride to the B&B, where we and the students are to be housed, I'm on the lookout for Black people. Me certain that I'll need, at most, only two hands worth of fingers for my first week of tallying. Well, by midway through my second day in Prague, my number of Black people spotted is up to 85, so I stopped counting. There are Black people in the supermarkets where in addition to paying for shopping bags, you must pay for use of the shopping carts. Black people in Wenceslas Square were at the east end of the narrow parkway. There's a big statue of the good king sitting aboard a horse. Black people on the trams, blacks on the Charles Bridge, the Karlov Most, where among other sites, I see a musical quartet of senior 
Czech citizens, three guys on horns and one on banjo playing old New Orleans style jazz. my way around the confined roadways that wind between tall Baroque style buildings, me happy to discover this surprising number of Blacks and Asians too, I also noticed that none of the white checks seemed to take any special notice of these other Black folks or any special notice of me, a situation that continues in the weeks to come. At night, when returning to the B&B, and an approaching white person catches sight of me coming towards them, none cross the street to avoid me. On those nighttime occasions when I find myself waiting at a street corner and a car pulls to a stop at the intersection, the driver doesn't hit the door lock. And when I'm in stores, I'm not followed down any aisles by an employee to make sure I don't steal something. The sorts of things that have happened to me in the U.S. so many times. In Prague, my not getting negative reactions in situations where I had sometimes received them in the States reminds me of the James Baldwin essays about his first European experience in Paris during the late 1940s. There, for the first time in his life, he got no averse treatment from whites in response to his blackness. And though he was well aware of how badly the French treated North African immigrants, at the same time, Baldwin could not deny the joyful relief he felt at finally not being the target of such treatment himself, just as I could not deny the joy and relief of walking into a store or down a street at night and not having folks assume I was a criminal. Even when I came to learn after a few weeks in country of the discriminatory treatments the Romani people endure in Europe, the Czechs Republic, no exception, the Roma were enslaved in some parts of Europe until 1864, and thousands were killed by the Nazis in World War II. In Prague, sometimes in the wee hours, I'd sit on a futon in the dark of my small three-room apartment on the top floor of the B&B, sipping a bit of Irish whiskey, which many an average Czech could not afford, and I'd think, what does all this mean? What does it say of me if I feel joy at not being discriminated against by certain white folks, while at the same time knowing those white people are discriminating against other people they don't consider white? Doesn't being black carry a responsibility to be ever vigilant of racism, no matter who it involves, to not enjoy my own comfort while other people around me can't? Keeping in mind, of course, that a Romani in the United States might not be followed down any store aisle or avoided on any street at night. Back in the 1980s, when I lived on the far north side of Chicago, the neighbor in the apartment next to me was Roma. He called himself a gypsy. On first sight, no one in the US would have taken to him for anything other than a white man. Contemplating questions about my own blackness was definitely not a joy I expected to experience while in Prague. I say joy because though contemplating questions regarding my own behavior doesn't necessarily get me to any final answers, it always gets me to a further understanding of things, which for me has its own kind of pleasure. In this case, a further understanding into the dualities of privilege and persecution as it applies to my blackness. 
And my black joys in Prague didn't end there. It's a Sunday evening. I'm waiting at the tram stop downhill from the B&B. I'm wearing my black white socks jersey with S-O-X in white gothic letters down the left side. In the twilight, I see a guy with a close cut head of dark hair make his way towards me. He's moving on an obviously bad leg, his right arm held at an angle in front of him and twisted at the wrist with a curled hand. When he reaches me, the guy says with some effort, his delivery marked by pauses and a slight slurring of words, excuse me, are you an American? I say yes, me figuring he's made that assumption because of the baseball jersey. Can I talk to you? I say sure. With a smile, he tells me he's always looking for an opportunity to speak English that his late father, a musician, had been English fluent and had raised him, the son, bilingual. A mostly empty tram soon arrives, and as we sit side by side, he asks where I'm from. I tell him, along with why I'm in Prague. He says he works as a ticket taker at a small theater not far from the B&B, and that he was in a car accident as a child. That is why I don't talk or walk well. However, I can rap. And with that, right there on the tram in front of God and everybody, the guy breaks into a flawless Snoop Dogg rendition. The no forced pauses or slurs or struggle with words in any way. After the guy is done, we chat some more. When we reach my stop, the two of us exchange thanks for the conversation. Me happy to, sh he happy to show off his English and rapping skills. Me happy for yet another, not likely to happen to me in Chicago experience. Leaving the tram, I headed to a jazz club called Ag Arter, located just south of the old town square in a red brick basement dug in the 14th century. Save for the low stage, the lighting is dim and the air pungent from all the cigarette smokers. I'm here on many a Sunday evening to listen to bebop jazz. Most of the players, white check guys my age, who've been playing that flavor of music for decades. I sit feeling very 1950-ish, given the music and atmosphere. And while listening to the bop style, first developed by Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, in New York jazz clubs of the 1940s. I'm struck, and not for the first time, at how African-American cultural inventions have been embraced by people far beyond our nation's borders. Rap music cultivated by young Blacks that's returned African-American music to its African basics, voices, and beats, provided the guy on the tram with a way to sp speak unhindered, the way no other music or mode of speech could and the bop musicians in the Agartha basement and the senior Czech guys on the Charles Bridge have been sustained by jazz their entire lives, much of those lives spent under police state oppression. And the knowledge of that, as I sit with a mug of Pivo at a small round table, my foot tapping in time on the floor makes me 
feel good too. Me thinking that black joy is wherever you can find it and that the wherever might be any place, sometimes where you least expect it. This story was produced by Vic Winter, curated by Shipsara Satimu, and directed by Alicia Duncan, with music and sound design by DJ Elokari. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the Arts Work Fund, Walter Foundation, MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Hannah and George Stowe, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.